Hey there, and welcome to the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We're honored you've chosen to join us today. In a few moments, Senior Pastor Alan Miller will launch into this week's teaching. Before that, though, we'd like to encourage you to also check out our website, firstmissionary.net, where you can find out more about what the Lord is doing in our local body and how you can get involved. Now here's Alan with this week's teaching. Well, today we're going to continue in this message series um, that we're simply entitling One Another. We're going to look here in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1 today. And here's a couple of things that we've learned over the last couple of weeks. We have learned that people are not happy. In general, people are really struggling with being happy. About two out of three people that you meet on the street today, or two out of every three people that you meet, they have a cloud of darkness or a cloud of gray over their lives. We also know that never, like never before, we've never had the information before, we've never had the technology before, uh, we have all of these things at our fingertips like we've never had them before in our lives, but yet people continue to say that they're genuinely unhappy. One guy tried to find happiness in his life, and the harder he tried to be happy, like happiness was a goal or a destination, he said, the harder I try to be happy, the more unhappy I became. What we're learning in this series is that happiness is like a boomerang. That in order to be happy, you must seek the happiness of other people. That when you look out for other people, when you do what we call one anothering, that happiness will actually come your way. As it goes out from you, then when it comes back, you will feel a sense of fulfillment in your life. You'll feel a sense of joy. You yourself will find happiness when you do for others. And let me just ask you, okay? This past week, if you had the opportunity to do something for somebody else, when you did it, and maybe that person said to you, thank you so much. You really helped us out. Did you not in your spirit go, wow, my heart is full. My life has made a difference because I sought the happiness for somebody else. So when you seek the happiness for somebody else, you don't have to worry about finding happiness. Happiness will find you. So that's something that we've been learning in this. And as, as you learn to one another, one another, um, we trust that you will experience a greater personal fulfillment in your life. Plus, now watch this. This is really important. Plus, when you are in a community or a family, or you're on a team, or you're in a church that practices one anothering, it makes the community, it makes the church, it makes everybody stronger. Well, in this series, what we feel like God's leading us to do is to look in Scripture at the different ways that Scripture tells us to one another. 
And over the next five to six weeks, that's what we're going to do. So last week, we talked about the importance of encouraging and building up one another. Uh, next week, when we begin to look at this further, uh, we're going to talk about what it means and how we can pray for one another. Then after that, we're going we're gonna to explore what the Scripture has to teach uh, about us forgiving one another. And then we're going to put a big capstone on this, I think. And uh, we'll conclude this message series with one message that's going to be about how we are called to love one another. But today, this is going to be fun. This is really going to be fun. Because today, we're going to be talking about what it means to put up with one another. <laughs> what it means to bear with one another and then take the next step. What it means to actually accept one another. Because you've got to bear with one another first. You got to put up with one another first. But then God says, that's not enough. You got to take another step with people around you. You have to learn how to accept one another. So this is going to be a lot of fun. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. The Apostle Paul writes, He says, Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to implore means to encourage it's almost like he's saying i'm begging you i'm so encouraging you to walk to live out your life in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called and man if we could just get into his heart and mind right now he would be saying listen guys what god has done for you what he's done in your life the greatness of your calling. Now, just let your life express that. Hmm. I implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. And then he gives some characteristics, if you will, some great adjectives on how we are to live out our lives. And all of this in the con is in the context of living it out with other people. With all, watch this, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance. Your translation today might read something like uh, uh, showing forbearance. It might say bearing with. In good West Kentucky language, it would be like putting up with, tolerating, bearing with, showing tolerance for one another in love. Being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and your grace to us. And Father, I'm asking that your spirit would give us a holy moment. A moment where we just relax. We are still from the business of this past week. 
a moment where you, through your word, you speak into our hearts and into our lives. I pray, Father, that your spirit would encourage us today, would lift us up, because, Father, your spirit is always about one anothering us. Teach us, Father, how to one another, one another in your spirit as we trust Christ to be our life, as we trust you to move and to work through us, Lord. Uh, Father, we wouldn't want to do this without your spirit, without your power, so we're absolutely dependent upon you in the next few minutes to share anything meaningful, heartfelt, convicting, or even life-changing. So, Father, we trust you with this time, and we give it to you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, we've all heard, we've all heard of the American dream. The American dream is actually underpinned in the Declaration of Independence. And, and I love how this is expressed in, in the original writing of the Declaration of Independence. It says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these, life, liberty, and the pursuit of what? And the pursuit of happiness. We even feel today that it's incumbent upon our government to make sure that they secure, that our government secures these rights of every single American. And that's what we want them to do. We want the government to be able to say, okay, folks, uh, you have the right to, to life. You have the right to liberty. These are from God and you have the right to pursue happiness. And we want to ever want to live in a land where people are infringing upon our opportunity to pursue happiness. Now, here's the challenge, though. Even though we might live in a land that would protect our pursuit of happiness, it's really hard to define what that looks like for each person. Now, here's something else that we know about happiness. One thing that might make you happy today might not make you happy and what makes you happy today might not make you happy today and here's what's funny about this happiness is also like a moving target what you will find to bring you happiness today well guess what tomorrow next year years to come you might be on a search for something altogether different so finding happiness is like a moving target but here's what we're coming to see. God made us. He knows us. He also desires for us to find joy and fulfillment and peace and happiness in our lives. However, God is not obligated to meet us on our own terms. Because God knows you're finicky. God knows things will change for you. But also God knows what will essentially make you fulfilled and what will make you happy. And that's what we're discovering in this message series. That, that God has given to us great keys in scripture and in his spirit that will actually lead us to find personal fulfillment and happiness in our lives. God genuinely wants you to be happy. But it has to be on God's terms. Because after all, 
He made you. He even knows you better than you know yourself. Not only seeking a life that honors Him and pleases Him, as the, uh, the preacher of Ecclesiastes tells us, we'll find wisdom and understanding and happiness, but also in all of these one another statements that we find in the New Testament, we see that when we, it goes out from us, when we seek happiness for somebody else, it is reciprocated, it comes back to us in our lives. Today we're looking at two biblical examples of what it means to one another, one another. And the first one has to do with bearing with one another. In the text that we looked at this morning, I want to give you a, a, a big picture first when we come back to this. Big picture, big picture. God's heart for his people is to be unified. God's heart for his people is to be a part of a community that genuinely expresses itself in love. God wants for the body of Christ to be of one heart, to be of one mind, and to be a loving community. In fact, all throughout the New Testament, you find it in the words of Jesus. Jesus says, it is more blessed to what? It is more blessed to give than to receive. When you come to the writings of the Apostle Paul, whether he's writing to the church at Rome, or he's writing to the church at Ephesus, or the churches of Galatia, He's constantly telling all these churches, protect, preserve the unity of the Spirit. Be of one heart. Be of one mind. Love one another. Jesus even said that the whole world, the whole world, will know that you are my disciples by one distinguishing characteristic that you love one another. Big picture, God wants his people to be of one heart, to be of one mind, to have unity in the spirit. Jesus also said this. Jesus said, and whether it's your house, my house, or this house, a divided house cannot what? A divided house cannot stand. Well, one of the things that we have to learn how to do when it comes to embracing each other and finding unity of heart and mind and spirit, one of the things we've got to learn how to do is what is laid out in this section of Scripture. He talks about us having humility. He talks about, in verse 2, us having gentleness. He talks about us having patience. He talks then about us showing Tolerance. I want you to put the text back up on the screen, guys. In verse 2, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. This is a very special word. Again, your translation might say uh, showing forbearance. Uh, it might say uh, uh, bearing with. Another way of looking at this is, is, is putting up with. To tolerate somebody else, to put up with somebody else, means, and it comes from a compound word, which means to up, it means to come along and to, watch this, 
to up, and then to have and to hold. To biblically forbear, tolerate, put up with one another is to up and to have and to hold. What does that sound like to you when I say those words, to have and to hold? What does it sound like to you? What, does that sound like anything to you? To have and to hold. I'll never forget the day I got married. Part of our vows that we expressed to one another was to what? To have and to hold. And you get this mental picture that what you're trying to do here is you're saying, yeah, I will have you, but watch this. I'm going to hold you. And I just wonder if maybe deep within those vows, if there's not a more, a more biblical understanding that really what we're saying when we say I'm going to have and to hold you is that I'm going to have and I'm going to hold up or put up with you. <laughs> I'm going to put up with you. I'm going to have you and I'm going to hold you up, not just in the sense of support and encouragement, but here it is to put up, it is to forbear, it is literally to put up with you. In that, in that, in that, it is so implied and i love the way the new living translation puts this the new living translation puts it like this to make allowance for each other's faults to make allowance for each other's faults it means that first and foremost i will recognize i will recognize and it's not hard to do when you're in relationships. Can I get an amen? It's not hard to recognize the faults in other people. Can I get an amen? You live in a relationship with people. You spend any time with somebody. And guess what? Over a period of time, you're going to come to recognize that person has what? That person has faults. You will naturally recognize the faults of others. Then, here's what you do. You also acknowledge. You acknowledge that everyone has faults. Okay, so, so I do life with you. You do life with me. You spend time with me. And I tell people all the time, you spend enough time with me, no matter what you think of a preacher or a pastor, I'm going to let you down. At some point, I'm going to disappoint you. I'm going to fail to meet your expectations. I have faults. You're going to see those faults in me. You spend any amount of time with me. And you're going to come to recognize those faults. You're going to then acknowledge that, guess what? Everyone has faults too. Everybody in this room today, they have faults. Now, what might be hard for some of us to do is to take the next step and to admit and to recognize that not only does everyone have faults, and by the way, everyone can't have faults if I don't. If everyone has faults, and that includes me, I have faults too. We personally have our own faults. Then you have to do this. You have to say to yourself, it's okay. No one is perfect. To forbear is to put up with, 
and to recognize the faults of other people. It also means that it is not my job. It is not my job. It is not my job to change anybody. That is the work of God's Spirit to do in somebody's life. He calls us to bear with one another. Then here's the next part to this. We're going to take it a little step further. We find this in Romans chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. We're going to kind of fast forward through this section of Scripture. And it talks about uh, bearing the weaknesses of those around us. Talks about each of us pleasing our neighbor for his good to his edification. Speaks of Christ as our example that Christ didn't even seek to please himself. You see, Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross with much patience. Experiencing that shame and his joy, his joy was us. He talks about persevering. He talks about the encouragement of the scriptures and us having hope in our lives. He says in verse 5 of Romans 7, Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant to you to be of the same mind with one another. Again, that same mindedness according to Christ Jesus. So that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. One accord, one voice, one accord, one voice. First step is forbearing, putting up with one another. But then notice verse 7. He challenges us to take it a step further. Therefore, accept one another. Therefore, accept one another just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. To accept one another means that I'm taking forbearance a step further. To forbear with somebody means this, folks. It means I can be in the same room with them. To put up with somebody, to forbear, I can be in the same room with them. I'm doing this. There's a bit of a distance here. But I'm putting up with you. And you're putting up with me. And there's kind of a healthy distance here. But when you look at the Greek of this next word, what it means to accept. What it means to accept it comes from two words, which means to, to bring in. It basically means to to, to to and to take. To take. It means to take. It means to take unto yourself. So if I'm forbearing with you, I am doing this. I'm putting up with you. But then once I accept you, I take you unto myself. To forbear means to be able to be in the same room. But to accept means to be able to sit at the same table. God just doesn't call us to put up with one another in love. He calls us to accept one another. This does not mean, please do not misread this or misunderstand. Doesn't mean that we're called to accept the behavior of everybody. Because there's things that people do that 
we can't accept. But here's what we can do. We can accept people for how they are. Everyone's different, right? God made us all. God's the one who made the locust, and He's the one who made the butterfly. He's the one who made the poodle, and He's the one who made the pit bull. He's the one who made me, and He's the one who made my sister Amy. I think she slipped out. Timing's perfect, right? He's made us all different. To accept means that I bring people into myself. Not holding them at arm's distance. Not just sitting in a room with them. But I'm sitting with them at the same table. And I can do this without accepting the behavior of people. And my ability to do this, watch this, is going to be determined by my ability to value people over performance. You see, but if you value performance over people, you're going to have a hard time accepting other people. A great book that I've been looking at for this message series was written by Max Lucado. How Happiness Happens. And in the text today, Paul tells us to accept one another as Christ has accepted us. How does he receive us how does he do this? Max Lucado wrote so eloquently, this is what he said. How does he receive us? He said, I know how he treated me. I was a 20-year-old troublemaker on a downhill path. Though I'd made a commitment to Christ a decade earlier, you wouldn't have known it by the way I lived. I'd spent five years claiming to be God's child on Sunday mornings and buddying with the devil on Saturday nights. He said... I was a hypocrite, two-faced, too fast, self-centered. That's how he perceived himself in his behavior. He said, I was lost. He says, when I finally grew weary of sitting in pig slop, I got wind of God's grace. I came to Jesus, and Jesus welcomed me. Jesus didn't accept my behavior. He didn't endorse my brawling and troublemaking. He wasn't keen on my self-indulgence and prejudice my proclivity to boast, manipulate, or to exaggerate. The chauvinistic attitude, all that had to go. Jesus didn't gloss over the self-centered max I had manufactured. He didn't accept my sinful behavior. But, 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 Jesus accepted me. His wayward child. He accepted what he could do with me. He didn't tell me to clean up and then come back. He said, come back and I'll clean you up. He was full of grace and truth. Not just grace, but also truth. Not just truth, but also grace. Grace and truth. Grace told the adulterous woman, I do not condemn you. Truth told her, go and sin no more. Grace invited a swindler named Zacchaeus to, to host Jesus for lunch. Truth prompted him to sell half of his belongings and give to the poor. Grace washed the feet of the disciples. Truth told them, do as I have done to you. Grace invited Peter to climb out of the boat and walk on the sea. Truth upbraided him for his lack of faith. Grace invited the woman at the well to drink everlasting water. 
Truth tactfully reminded her that she had gone through five husbands and was shacking up with a boyfriend. Jesus was gracious enough to meet Nicodemus at night, but he was truthful enough to tell him, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus shared truth, shared truth, but he did it graciously. Jesus offered grace, but he did it truthfully. Grace and truth. Acceptance seeks to offer both. If we only offer grace, then we will gloss over the truth. If we offer only truth, then we will dismiss the joy of grace. Our goal, our goal, our goal, our goal is to strike a balance. We can accept other people and take them in. While at the same time, not accepting their behavior. So today, we just want to challenge you and encourage you this week. As you practice one anothering, one another. Understand, this week you're going to see people and their faults are going to be glaring. And you just got to say, you know what? It's okay. This is part of this deal. But God just doesn't call me to put up with them. God calls us to accept and to bring in and to sit at the table. And we can do that even when their behavior is not what we would want or even desire for them. Jesus did it for you. He did it for you. He did it for you. Now Christ in you, the hope of glory, can do it for somebody else. Thanks for joining us on the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. That's it for this week's teaching, but you can always find more on our website, firstmissionary.net. We'd also like to encourage you to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you benefited from this week's lesson, be sure to share it with your friends and family, then leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.